Today on Ag News Daily. We, we have a big discussion. Uh, the eastern part of, of Euro uh, belongs a very long time to, to Russia. Listeners, we are the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th, 2023, Wednesday. First day of the National Farm Machinery Show down here, Delaney. You and I are going to hit the latest headlines today. We certainly are, Tanner, and there's quite a few to hit, but I'm curious. Uh, I know you were setting up yesterday for the National Farm Machinery Show. Did you see anything that's uh, going to pique your interest? You know, we say we're going to do this every year and it doesn't happen. We drove into the building, right up to our booth, set up our equipment and drove right back out. We had uh, scheduled ourselves a little bit of a tight day. We did a distillery tour down here with the Peerless Distilling Company, uh, which we ran rushed right out to. So I have not seen much of anything yet. That's my goal for today is to take a couple of breaks and wander around. Well, we are certainly going to be excited to hear what you see, Tanner. But I have a quick, quick, quick update here on another train derailment. I know you reported on one yesterday in Ohio, which led to the leak of toxic chemicals. We had another one on Monday afternoon, which was a train derailment in Houston, Texas, which also had hazardous materials on board. Officials, from what I've found, have not been uh, sharing what those hazardous materials are as of yet, Tanner, but that makes two train derailments and folks are calling into question what is really going on here. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of speculation swirling around because multiple news sources have given a China spy balloon update stating that they had tracked this balloon from its launch off the Henan Islands. So stated here that U.S. military and intelligence agencies had been tracking it for nearly a week prior to entering into U.S. territories. The U.S. stated that the original flight path was originally appeared to look over the U.S. territory of Guam, but during the early stages of the route, just kind of like headlines had originally uh, speculated, it took an unexpected torn, turn north. And then several U.S. officials are now reporting that they continued to examine and watch this balloon as it crossed the ocean. And they're stating Chinese, the Chinese aer aeronautical. That's a good morning word to start off with there, Delaney. The Chinese aeronautical service did not intend to penetrate the American heartland with the airborne surveillance device. The balloon obviously floated over Alaska Aleutian Islands, thousands of miles away from Guam, and then drifted over Canada and then across the U.S. before being shot down in South Carolina on February 4th. So that is interesting little update to that story. Tanner, we also had the Consumer Price Index released yesterday, Tuesday morning, which reflected a half percent month over month increase in January, beating analyst expectations, which was clocking in at four tenths of a percent. The December number was also revised to be a little higher, a tenth of a percent higher month over month versus the loss, actually, that we saw previously reported. Tanner, the big headline here is that year over year, inflation is declining when you look at 2022-2021 numbers. But month over month, we're seeing inflation start to tick back up. And that is the big question mark here is which matters more? Maybe you have some insight into that. I, you know, I don't think I have enough insight to really contribute, but it is interesting to see which which of those metrics uh, obviously doesn't want to create a nation divided. But 
they do go hand in hand to an extent. I know there'll be a lot of farmers today at National Farm Machinery Show swinging by and in between interviews uh, asking the opinion because it, it matters. It matters to everybody. I do want to get a quick weather update in the middle of this. Still blizzard warnings throughout much of the Midwest. We're looking at North Dakota, South Dakota, and Western Minnesota today. Iowa, Missouri, Kansas, Illinois, uh, a little bit more tomorrow. The warning for the first states is in place until 6 p.m. They're expected to get three inches of snow. There are areas further south that could look at four to six. The local Iowa weather forecast states that around tomorrow, mid-morning, portions of central Iowa could see five to six inches, and the southern portion of the state could see double-digit bursts. But the biggest issue, Delaney, is weather forecasting systems are not lining up. So this storm still has a lot of variability as to what the exact track is going to be. But if we look down into Texas, they're looking at sustained winds of 35 to 45 miles per hour, gusts up to 60, and that could move a lot of things around. So there's your quick weather update for today on Wednesday. Well, and going right along with that, Tanner, we saw the USDA announced yesterday that they are going to expand the WIP Plus program or the uh, HIPWI. They've kind of changed around the or letter of the acronym, but still the same acronym. It's the insurance, excuse me, hurricane insurance protection, which will also include a tropical storm addition and a wind index edition, but farmers are now eligible for further protection against these damaging tropical storms. USDA said that after hearing directly from many agricultural producers, they've decided to expand this program for the 2023 crop year. And it's a policy that farmers can sign up for directly through, I believe, uh, the risk management agency or their FSA offices. Well, I'm impressed that they're going to have it already in place for this year. But yes, I know. If it's going to be administered through crop insurance agents, that's probably the quickest way to get that out. Mm -hmm. Continuing to see battles here in Iowa over the carbon capture pipelines. A study was released yesterday. The Iowa Renewable Fuels Association stated that 75% of Iowa's ethanol production is at stake if the state is locked out of the carbon capture sequestration projects. Legislation has been talked about to effectively shut down these pipelines. It would also shut down Iowa's ethanol production, says Monty Shaw, the executive director of the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association. It goes on to state that the reality of Iowa ethanol's producers is uh, facing a fact that they need reasonable access to distribute their carbon, as well as the additional benefits coming from the credits they get for sequestering those tons of carbon. In the future of Iowa ethanol production, Iowa's corn prices, and the future of Iowa's farmers depend upon this pipeline was his quote. So looking like a pretty big stance there, Delaney. They stated here that these three carbon capture sequestration pipeline projects will have a significant impact financially to the state, not just in revenue for the government, but in jobs, and security of the income for farmers. So it's quite interesting to see here a lot more detail in that report that was shared, but that is the sentiment that was published yesterday. 
Well, Tanner, we also have some sentiment here, positive sentiment, finally, that Mexico has officially scrapped part of the deadline to ban GM crops. Specifically here, they have scrapped altogether banning GM corn for animal feed and industrial use amid rising tensions with the United States. But they've still retained plans to prohibit the use of grains of GM grains for human consumption, as well as the herbicide glyphosate or glyphosate treated corn. This move approved in a government decree eliminates that January 2024 date as a uh, ban on GM corn. So this is definitely a positive move in the right direction and uh, is seen as a very positive move on the trade front between U.S. and Mexico, Tanner. But as far as the food front goes, Mexico is still banning GMO corn and for specifically food uses. So they said specifically human consumption, which mainly includes fresh white corn and white corn tortilla flour. Hey, that is a step forward. That is a good headline to share uh, today. And especially being able to see that the countries are working together on that side of it. I really don't have a significant amount of news remaining. I did peruse through a headline this morning stating that uh, a farmer has been able and awarded access for back to his ground. So farmer Gary Kempker was growing crops and was losing approximately access to a potential revenue of $40,000 a year because he couldn't get access to his ground due to the high flow of the Osage River. So the local government, both at uh, the state level and county level had stated that the only way this gentleman could get access to Laney to his ground was to cross that river, but they used that river to generate power. And therefore the uh, flow that was continuing to come through there was more substantial than what his equipment could get across. So it looks like after a long battle here, and a settlement, he has been awarded another version of access to his piece of property, as well as Delaney uh, compensation, like we stated for lost income. But the quite interesting thing in this story, if I read it correctly, is that the process of generating this electricity had altered the direction of that water. So that's what initially cut off access to this farmer's piece of ground. So it's a good case win for farmers that are looking for maintaining the rights and access to the property that they own. Huh. That is an interesting one, Tanner. Yeah, but that's what I've got for today. How about you? I think the only thing I have left for today is chatting markets and the overnights here are looking pretty ugly. Uh, we saw commodities trade lower across the grain markets here in the overnights and will open lower here at uh, the opening bell. March corn closed Four cents lower in the overnight will open at 678 and a quarter. New crop corn down three and a quarter cent, clocking in at 595. Uh, March soybeans down 11 and a quarter cent in the overnight will open at 526. New crop beans opening bell will clock in at 1373, down 10 cents in the overnight. Hard red March winter wheat down just a half a penny at 905 and a half. And as we clock over here to take a look at the livestock markets, they also saw mostly weakness across the board. April live cattle down 42 and a half cents. 
ticking in at 164.67. March feeder cattle down 55 cents at a buck 86.65. And April lean hogs added 90 cents will open at 87.25. Tanner, last week I had the pleasure of moderating a panel with four global farmers, and we're going to kick it over into, I think, a couple part series here to discuss some of the challenges and opportunities that they are facing in their relative parts of the world. So let's turn it over to that conversation with Guillermo Breton, Patience Okoku from Nigeria, Marcus Holtcutter from Germany, and Maria Pilu Girado from Argentina. Yeah, I'm uh, a farmer from, from Germany, um, from an area with um, normally all the farmers to crop farming and livestock farming. So and our farm, we uh, farm uh, winter wheat, uh, winter barley, uh, canola, corn, um, and fattening pigs. Um, so that's for our area. It's a, it's a typical, uh, typical farm. Patience, what about your farm in Nigeria? Um, so I'm a first-generation farmer in Nigeria. We grow bananas, um, corn, cowpea, vegetables, uh, and, and we tried BT cotton as well. So we, we're pretty much diverse and do a little of this and that. Uh, and I, I think that one of the reasons why I'm really happy that you know we're here in Argentina is because Argentina has done so well with uh, no-till and have preserved the soil so well and it's something we're not doing so well in Africa so I'm happy to be able to take that back with me. And Guillermo. Hi, uh, I am a farmer from the Mexican highlands. I, I grow cereals, barley for Heineken, uh, triticale, corn, forages for beef cattle. I have a, I, I run a cow-calf Angus uh, livestock. Um, I, I'm a, I am the fifth generation of agriculture in, in, in that area. My father w works in a cooperation with doc Dr. Borloch in that uh, with reprodu re reproduction in the, in the 60s and we, we are close to Simit also. So I know we probably have some questions from farm broadcasters joining us. So feel free to go ahead. Uh, I don't know if you guys usually pop in and ask those or if you want to just start dropping them into the chat box. But either way, I'll open it up. I have one question here to kick us off with. Um, and that is, you know, lots of things have been happening over the past couple of years with the pandemic, with the Ukraine war. All of you have been impacted with, you know, Mexico announcing that they're not going to allow GMO corn. You've all been faced with a lot of challenges here over the past couple of years. What have you been doing to adapt during those different challenges that you've had here? You know, drought in Argentina, for example, as well. Uh, Pili, maybe we can start with you. Yes, of course. Um, yes, I think I used to say that farmers, we, we are familiar with adversity, you know, because we our industry is under an open sky. <laughs> we can manage it. We can we cannot manage the climate. So uh, we are prepared to, but you described too much, Delany. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think the, um, the point is to 
to design a, a real sustainable system, a real sustainable model, you know, because we are familiar with different tools, but we need to put them all in a system and to maintain them all uh, over the years. That's the best tool uh, to have, to be resilient to all of this. But we also need to have um, a, another tools like um, financial help as uh, policy, uh, right policies, and that's um, perhaps uh, one of the most important things also to be together uh, in the global. Guillermo, what about some of the challenges, or especially GMO corn? I think a lot of the U.S. reporters would be interested to learn about that from your perspective. Yes. In Mexico, we have the the challenges pillows comment commented and and barriers, but also we we have threats for our our government. They are they they are ideological barriers. So uh, they are they are wanting to to ban the the importation of. GMO, GMO corn, G, yellow GMO corn, wh whose destiny is for livestock to to animal alimentation, to animal feeding, uh, but um, without any science rigor, uh, just because of some ideologies against GMOs, um, Mexico imp imports about. 80, 80 million tons yellow GM, GMO uh, corn from United States is is an um, important part of the USMCA. So the the the, the treatment we, we have with U United States and, and Canada. So it's a fundamental part. Uh, the the Industry, the livestock industry in Mexico since NAFTA has been uh, grow and grow, uh, and and we we have um, need to a lot a lot a lot of, of grain each each year more and more. So the the livestock industry in Mexico is, is really strong. Uh, so this this is a, a threat we are. Going through this, so farmers need need needs to to raise our voice and go to parliament, go to senate um, to defend that our our industry. And th th there is no logic, any logical thing in in all of this. I I think we we will we we, we will win the the battle. Um, Marcus, I know too, you've worked really closely with Case Housinga, who was at NAFB convention back in November. So all of our members got to meet him and talk to him about the challenges that he's faced. But you and Case have had a close connection. You have helped him get into parliament in, in Europe and, and have helped him during his journey with that. But from your perspective, what has it been like to have the Ukraine war in Europe so close to your borders? It's, on one hand, it's it's a, it's a safety for for the people because um, we we have a big discussion. Uh, the eastern part of of Euro uh, belongs very long time to to Russia, so um, the people are very angry about that war and say, okay, 
maybe we are the next. And um, yeah, it's, it's the eastern part from Germany. It's it's the same. So um, that's that's one one hand. And um, yeah, it's other hand we have a big discussion about food security. That was why we traveling. I traveling with case um, to the um, to the government and talking with politicians and with journalists um, because nobody cares about that. Um, we have in Europe, we have a big discussion about the uh, Green Deal. Politicians want ban 50% um, pesticides um, all over the fields. So they want 30% uh, organic farming. So that needs that uh, the production goes down. And that's this other side we have of war um, that, that it doesn't work. So that, but the politicians um, don't understand that. So that was um, very hard to discuss this with the politicians. Um, most of them, or a lot of them in, in Europe, at the moment, very green, very ideological, um, and it's, 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 it's a terrible job discussed. For each of you, I uh, was curious, how much do you pay attention to what's going on in American agriculture? Patience, do you want to start that? You look like you have an answer. Um, maybe not so much, because uh, I think geographically, um, distance could be a factor. Also, the, the geography, I mean, in terms of the, how we plant, when we plant, what you plant, what we plant. We are very, very much uh, more inclined to listen to what goes on in Europe. Also, um, in Africa, maybe because a lot of Africa were, were a British colony, uh, and so a lot of that... Um, has has kind of uh, uh, charted the path of how we do agriculture or what we accept um, as as agriculture. Not to say that that has helped us much because we are we are probably far behind um, with with science and 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 innovation. Maybe because we have listened a lot more to Europe than we should have uh, um, um, than than we did to America. So yeah. Yeah. As Mexican farmer, uh, uh, I, I'm concerned about American United States agriculture. Why? Because we are nat natural exporters of uh, vegetables, as tomato, uh, berries. Avocado, um, uh, tequila, <laughs> beer. Uh, so we we have a country where the the labor is a little cheaper. We we can we can do some 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 things uh, with specific issues. And in the other hand, we are. Uh, expecting about how are your how your your grains doing your how how are your inventories your harvest so we 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 can have that that grains for our our cattle so we we are we are partners in a in a commercial treatment the the more important treatment zone in the in the world so 
we we it's, it's important important to to know how, how we are doing the, the the three the three countries who belongs that area um yeah as, as a german or european farmer um yeah that's we look to to the us because a lot of soya beans and corn comes to europe and, and especially germany um for feeding our our pigs and, and chickens um so and with machinery um you look a lot of to the us because um the companies make deals directly um so uh, yeah it's interesting for me in person and as a farmer um what's happened to the to the us so that's traveling to the us is very easy so that's uh, yeah why not um, visiting a farm show or so and also for us uh, we uh, pay attention to usa mostly for about markets you know because we depend on them and also we we are waiting all the time about the usaid reports uh, in order to know how the market was going will going and um, of course also we pay attention to us because of technology and how to change the the best tools and the best practices in order to increase production so it looks like todd leeson has a question for you patients why is no-till farming of interest to you specifically is it because of soil erosion cost economics something else um, so I think it's because of all of that and also the long-term benefits for agriculture. So we're sitting here in Buenos Aires um, and we've had a tour of farms in, in, in Argentina. And Argentina is a country that has done no-till for 40 years and they are in the middle of a drought. And we can see that the crop is still um, resilient and they will still have a harvest in spite of the, the, the climatic conditions. Uh, so that's one. And then the, the other thing, of course, um, uh, um, speaking to cost, but then this now um, looking at a country where equipment purchase is almost impossible. I mean, in Africa, 90% um, of the farmers can't afford to buy a tractor. And, and then there we are um, mechanizing in a very complex way of using plow, harrows, and tills um, to, 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 to prepare the land when we don't have to. And then um, uh, that, that is a very major um, consideration for us with considering that we should use no-till. Um, and then, of course, there's also the fact that uh, um, the, the climate change, I mean, is showing us. On my farm um, last year, we were, uh, we were practically caught off guard by when the rains came and when the rains go. And so anything we can do really to be able to um, uh, um, improve our soil health in a way that helps us to um, retain more water, to be more, you know, to be more efficient and, uh, and also help the environment, carbon sequestration. There's so many considerations really that make us realize that this is really the way we should be going. Like you had a really cool experience and you got to have some pretty cool conversations, Delaney. Yeah. And I think the takeaway, Tanner, is that farmers from everywhere, small, big, uh, you know, developed countries, undeveloped countries, we're all facing the same challenges, maybe in different contexts, but the challenges are, are relatively the same across the board.
Yeah, absolutely. This has been another great show. Listeners, remember to follow us on social media. I will uh, probably be posting updates on the Farm for Profit account. If you want to virtually attend the National Farm Machinery Show, reach out to both of us and we'll see if I can go look something up for you. But for today, what do you say, Delaney? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 